Well, good morning, 11.30. We are so glad that you guys are here. If you would, stand with us. We'll start our time this morning in time of worship and song. Everybody's doing good this morning. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name is Scott Verano and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life and it is an honor to have you here in our family room and to have you joining us online. Um, church, you may not know this, but 100 plus, 125 people join us online every week at this service. Can you guys give them a big round of applause? Yeah, we're thinking about you and praying for you and hope you have a wonderful day today. So we've got a great service planned for you. We start a new series today about prayer. This is the year of transformation. And um, we're going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer. And so as we start off um, every one of our Sunday mornings, we're going to do that with the Lord's Prayer. And I just want you to recognize that these are not just words that we say. 
This is the prayer that Jesus gave us. And so I invite you, if you will, to join me in praying and getting our hearts together on the same page. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you for this morning and just the opportunity to gather together, uh, to hear the word taught, to hear worship, to be a part of worship and to break bread at the end of this service. It means so much to us, God, to have this connection point during the week, to experience the living God that is present in our lives every single day. And so as we lean into this time, Lord, I just know that, that your spirit is active and moving and you know the things that are in our hearts that we're thinking about. And we just pray that you be God today. We love you, we trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Sing this chorus, chorus out together. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you Every fear lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you Without this morning, the battle is his Rest in that. See when all I see. When all I see is the battle, will you see my victory? When all I see is a mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, love surrounds me well, there's nothing to fear now for I am safe with you when I fight
victory we have in Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad he's the one fighting the battles? <laughs> um, I want to read 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. All of those challenges, all of those uh, mountains that we seem that seem absolutely impossible, the best way that we can fight those things are with our spiritual weapons. They're not in the flesh. They're not physical. It's through prayer. It's through the Word of God. It's through standing on Him because when we pray and when we stand on God's truth, then God is the one who fights the battles, not us and God always wins. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. We're going to just continue to worship this morning, but just take a minute wherever you're at, uh, whatever's weighing on you. I know when we walk out these doors, the challenges uh, stare us right back in the face. Uh, they don't go away. But during this time, my prayer for you is just that you would get a peace today. Whatever battles that you are facing, just allow it to fade away in the light and the glory of who Jesus Christ is in his presence today. Let him speak life to you. Speak to me. You're the only voice I want to hear. Walk with me. Walk with me. Show me who you are. Speed. 
presence this morning and with all of those things that get in the way all of the noise all of the distractions we just take time to focus on you and keep our eyes on Jesus we need you so much and we just thank you that you are here to move in us Um, God we thank you that yours uh, is the battle (laughs) and all of our trust and all of our hope belongs to Jesus and so help us as a reminder this morning of just finding that place, locking in in our time of prayer, locking into the word and believing the truth that you have spoken. We love you so much. and We give you back this time as Kat comes to deliver the word. Uh, God, we just know you're going to use her in such a mighty way. And so we just pray that you would just continue to pour out your presence and your anointing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Thank you so much for singing and and worshiping with us this morning. Turn around. You know what to do. You know the drill. Find someone. Give them a big CLC welcome. If you're here watching online, we are so glad that you are here. We will be right back in just a moment. Well, good morning. I hope everyone is doing good this morning. Thank you for being here with us and uh, joining us in our family room or joining us online. Um, There are a lot of places you could be on a Sunday morning. It means the world to us that you would be here. My name is Scott Verno, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and and we just so appreciate this time together. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And our hope is that when you find the source of life, that yes, you'll hold on to it, but then that you'll share it with every single person that you encounter. And if there's anything we can do to stand alongside you in this journey, I'll tell you what, I would, I would be so honored to be able to do that. Um, it's been a fun week this last week, uh, just trying to work through everything and survive and get to this place. You're going to hear a little bit about that from Kat as to all the challenges that you might incorporate in the middle of a week. But um, Excited to tell you a few things that we're getting ready for this week. So Friday night is Night to Shine. And one of the things that you need to know, because some people every year, they're like, well, I didn't have time to register to Night to Shine, so I'm just going to show up and see what goes on. Um, Please do not show up to Night to Shine if you weren't volunteering or signed up, because security will tase you. Uh, So anytime we work with an at-risk community, everybody's background checked, we know who everybody is, everybody have a lanyard on, and so um, what we're going to do so that everybody can enjoy it is we will live stream the red carpet on our normal um, page, on our website page, so you can see everybody being escorted down, and we're excited about um, getting to see all those smiling faces. The doors open at about 6, 
but it takes till about 6.30 for them to get through the limousines and to get out onto the red carpet. So maybe just turn it on and watch from 6.30 to, to 7.30. I tell you, it'll do something so profound to your heart. So we're excited about that. One other thing that we need is we need a few more military personnel. If you still have your dress blues or whatever branch of the military you have. My dad was in the Air Force, so I only know them as dress blues. Whatever that dress thing is to you, um, we would love for you to help escort folks down the, the red carpet. And if you can do that, this coming up Friday night, stop by out at the welcome desk and they'll, they'll get you signed up for that. Um, and then last but not least, I want to personally invite you to join us for our Ash Wednesday service. Now, it's on a really, really weird night this year. It's on Valentine's Day. What an exciting way to spend Valentine's Day in an Ash Wednesday service, right? Um, so I'm making this announcement, and here's why. Because as a non-denominational church, when you think of services like Ash Wednesday, many of you are like, wait a minute, that's a service that we do that seems like such a traditional service. Something you need to know about me is I will never do tradition for the sake of tradition. I always like to explain the heart behind what we do. And Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season, or really the season when we start to focus our hearts and prepare for Easter. And so we invite you to come. You'll hear great worship. You'll hear a great message that will start to gear you and get you ready for the work that we're going to be talking about as we move into the Forever Change series um, at Easter. Now, don't worry. If you do not want the imposition of the ashes on your forehead, you will not have to have that. You can come, enjoy us during that time, learn something new, and uh, celebrate with the rest of the family. Amen? So we're looking forward to that. It's always a great service, and, and so we invite you to, to come and join us. Now, today we start a new series, and the name of this series is called When You Pray. So as I've been introducing over the last few weeks, we believe this is a year of transformation. So we've been very intentional throughout the year to have series that are designed to help us in this understanding of transformation. So this is a series about prayer that is going to tackle the understanding of the prayer that Jesus gave us, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. And there really are two parts to it. One is personal in nature and one is corporate in nature. And so same text, well, one's in Luke, one's in Matthew, but the same prayer, we're just going to look at two different aspects of it. And so today, Kat Seiler, our director of adult ministries, a.k.a. discipleship ministries, she's going to be taking that personal aspect because that's her world. She wrestles through and works with all of those disciplines, and um, she has such a unique and great perspective and message today. It's been phenomenal all morning long. And then next week, Pastor Addie is going to be tackling the corporate nature. So she's the cares pastor, and so there's a corporate understanding of what it means together to get and to pray the Lord's Prayer as a group, which is what we do every Sunday morning. And so we're hoping that you'll dive into some of these things to prepare us as we move towards Easter. But um, will you guys do me a favor and give Kat a big round of applause as she comes? Good morning. I was just looking at the time. I'm like, ooh, this third service. Do you have to say good afternoon? But I guess it is still good morning for another seven minutes. Um, so I... Um, I've been looking forward to this series for quite some time, and it's funny because at the beginning of this week, I had a plan. I had a plan, and my plan was that I was going to go into this week, and I was going to focus on prayer, and I was going to be intentional about my time with God. I was going to make sure my week was peaceful and calm and nothing was going to go crazy to stray me from the word and focusing on God. I don't know about you, but when I make plans, they don't always go the way I thought at all. <laughs> and so my week, that's what I thought it was going to be. How my week actually went. Well, between me and my family and my coworkers, my week consisted of, and this is just scratching the surface, um, a diagnosis of double pink eye. There was a, um, a uh, shingles diagnosis. There was sinus infection. There was some other medical stuff going on. There was cars that were breaking and not starting. There was tires that were blowing, which also meant we were missing meetings. I could go on and on and on. And so my week looked nothing like I had planned at all. And it was frustrating because I had a perfect plan of going into my week and spending time with God. It didn't go that way at all. And so it gave me a unique perspective for this sermon on prayer. 
And I have to wonder if some of the things that I experienced this week, Jesus had in the back of his mind when he was getting ready to teach his disciples how to pray. And so today we find ourselves in Luke. We're going to be in chapter 11. And a little bit of background on Luke, just just a little bit. Um, Luke is writing about 50 years removed from the time of Jesus's ministry. Luke is believed to have been a doctor of somebody of of, uh, a profession that would have had the ability to speak into certain parts of society that maybe others didn't. And one of the things that I love about Luke is that he loves getting into the details. He loves pulling out these layers within the scripture um, that maybe in some of the other gospels we don't necessarily get to experience. I think something else that's important to note is that in Jesus's time, Jesus's life and ministry, the Lord's prayer is something that is taught almost directly in the middle of his time. So at this point, he's gathered his disciples. They've started listening. They've started being taught by Jesus. And then we get to this point where Jesus and his disciples have made the turn towards Jerusalem. And I think this is so timely that we're doing this study on prayer right as we're on the horizon of Easter in less than a month or six weeks or whatever, whatever that is. And so I hope that this is an opportunity for us to kind of shape our hearts and shape our lives in a way of preparation for that time of Easter, much as Jesus was doing with his disciples before he himself went to the cross. So let's jump in, shall we? The Lord's Prayer, uh, chapter 11 in Luke. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Now, a few points I want to pull out here is that this request was not all that unusual. You see, disciples would ask their rabbis to be taught how to pray. They would learn the regular prayers that were common in the Jewish faith. But what was unique was that every rabbi kind of had his little signature, if you will. So much so that when a disciple would pray, people would start to be able to say, you know what, I think that disciple belongs to Jesus. Or I think that disciple belongs to John the Baptist. And so we, we see here that even some of the disciples who are now followers of Jesus had followed John the Baptist for a time. But I think it's important to note that they themselves are making a mark in the the sand to say, you know what, I want to now learn what Jesus has to offer. I think there's something about what the disciples must have been experiencing watching Jesus do what he did. And I think there was probably this desire that started bubbling up inside of them to say, "I I want a part of that. I would love to have my life look like that. Now, they didn't necessarily hear every time Jesus prayed, but they saw the change in the the demeanor that Christ would have when he would pray, and they wanted to participate. They wanted to experience that. And so Jesus teaches them. In verse 2, he says, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. At the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, we see these petitions where we're orienting our hearts towards God. You see, the beginning of this prayer, guys, is not necessarily about us. It's about who we're talking to. It's about God. And we start with this beautiful invitation from Jesus by opening the prayer with Father, I want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus is the only one who truly has the right to call God Father. And yet, as he's, dis- as he's teaching his disciples, he's giving this invitation to say, no, 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 you, you can as well call him Father and address him as Father. Hallowed be your name. If you didn't know, God is already holy. Nothing we do in this life makes God holy. What Jesus is asking us to do here is better translated 
hold holy or hold God's name as hallowed. You see, we all have values. We all have things in our life that we, we hold dear to our hearts. For many of us, it's our family or our professions. Some of us are diehard hobby fans, sports fanatics. Some of us love our politics. But where does God land in the pecking order? Do we hallow God above everything else? If there's a shelf and we put all these things of value on it, are we putting God right in the middle of all of that? Are we saying, no, God, you are worthy of so much more. You don't even belong on that shelf because you, your greatness is so much more than anything else that I value. Your kingdom come. When Jesus began his ministry, these were some of his first words that he spoke. He talked about how the kingdom was at hand. And so, yes, it's a nod to that, but it's also an invitation as well to step into that kingdom, to become part of what Jesus was offering. That the kingdom was at hand, yes, but we had this, this um, call on our lives to lean into that and to allow the kingdom to come into our lives. You see, when Jesus came to our world, God was bringing order into what was chaos. And by bringing Jesus into our lives, allowing God to come into our lives and be part of that kingdom, we are starting to restore order in the chaos that is our lives. At this point in the prayer, there's a shift. And we start to move from focusing on, on God and acknowledging who he is and starting to address our needs. But not in a way of, I'm going to give the laundry list to God and I hope you meet every single one. It's more, I'm going to give my needs to God knowing that my expectations pale in comparison to what he may give. Give us each day our daily bread. A lot of us may have, have prayed this before or heard about this. And, and I think often we take this idea and this notion of daily bread and we think about it in the, the context of our physical needs. That God is going to sustain us by providing us the food and the material things of this world that keeps us alive. Maybe on the surface, that's what Jesus is saying. You see, within this Lord's Prayer, there's layers upon layers upon layers of richness. And when you start to pull some of those layers back, you realize that this term of daily bread means so much more. In fact, this word is something that is used only twice in Scripture in this way. And is found right here in the Lord's Prayer, both in Luke and Matthew. And the Greek for this, and I've I'm probably not saying this right, but I'm going to give it a go anyways, is epiousios, a super substantial substance, something that is so much greater than we can even comprehend in this life. I was talking to Dr. Brian Hope yesterday, and he said a great way to explain this is your daily dose of God or your daily I am. And so what Jesus is saying that so we acknowledge God as God, but then we're saying, hey, I need you, God, in my life, not just to survive, but I need you in my life spiritually, physically, emotionally, so that I might thrive. But you see, we cannot move on to verse 4 without verse 3. We have to have that daily bread to be able to do what Jesus asks us to do next. In verse 4, Jesus says, And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. I don't know about you, but it's easy to forgive the little things. But what happens when we have that relationship that explodes in our face? Or the things that were done to us in such a hateful manner that it truly scars our soul? It's hard to forgive that. 
But what I think Jesus is saying here is that with the daily bread, with God in our lives, he is going to enable us to do what we alone cannot do. That we can reach out into this world and do the things that seem impossible, like forgiving others the way that only God in Christ can. And we get to participate in that. The prayer concludes with, and do not bring us to a time of trial. Now, I wish what Jesus was saying here was that if you pray this prayer, all the bad stuff isn't going to happen. I wish we were talking about those trials. I think the intention of what Jesus was actually saying here was to save us from ourselves. You see, I think one of the biggest barriers to our faith is our self. One of the biggest barriers to our faith is our self. You see, we, we get so caught up in maybe how we think God wants us to be that we stop doing what God wants us to do because we're too caught up in how we've done it so wrong. You see, structure can be a beautiful thing. I love how, how Jesus has laid out this Lord's Prayer. But I will tell you that for a period of time, it was this exact structure that gave me more anxiety than I could actually like comprehend. When I started this job and Pastor Scott was like, all right, Kat, it's your time. You got to get up on that stage and do the Lord's Prayer, pray the Lord's Prayer. I was like, I got this. I was raised Catholic. I've been saying this prayer, praying this prayer since I was five years old. I got this. Until I started thinking about how many of you all would be staring back at me. And then I was like, ooh, what about that worst case scenario? That the back prompter goes out, that goes out, and then nobody actually prays it with me, and I'm left up here all by my lonesome praying the Lord's Prayer. That terrified me so much so that I wrote the Lord's Prayer down on an index card. And when you all had your heads bowed for probably the first six months that I was in this job, I would pull that index card out and pray the Lord's Prayer off that index card. <laughs> and what happened in those moments was I was so caught up in my fear. I was so caught up in my anxiety that yes, I was praying the prayer, but I was missing out on this beautiful communion with God because I was so concerned about saying it wrong. And so I just, I want you to know that the structure is there to give us a foundation, yes, but do not allow it to be something, something that holds you back or shackles you down to the point where your fear takes over. Luke is so good in how he lays out the scripture and how he gives us these stories and, and these lessons one back to back to help just kind of add to the, uh, the robustness of the lesson. And so after the Lord's Prayer, we go into verses 5 uh, through, I think it's 13, and we learn two other parables, two other lessons that further help to kind of shape what a prayer life really looks like. In verse 5, and he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has been locked and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Will I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Now, at first I was like, I, I didn't, I wasn't really following. I was like, okay, I understand waking the kids up in the middle of the, the night is an annoyance. I have two beautiful children, but the idea of getting them up in the middle of the night is my nightmare. So I was like, there's got to be something more to this. And so I started digging, and there was a pastor who, who was, was working through this, and he said that this particular part of Scripture does something beautiful. 
It exposes our bias of God. It exposes our bias of God. You see, there's, there's a word in here that I think could be better translated. At the end of this, it talks about persistence. Persistence, I think, gives the connotation of annoyance. Like, I'm banging on the door. I'm annoying. Everybody is done with me. It, it's not that. A better way of explaining this is shameless audacity. Somebody who is so set on providing something or, 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 or getting to the, the fulfillment of a need that they're going to not be concerned about what everybody around them thinks. That, you know what, it's worth waking the kids in the middle of the night. And it's okay if everybody in town is going to talk about it for the next several days. I remember the first time I ever prayed in a restaurant. I was maybe 10 years old. And my mentor who was with me at the time, she, she was the one who led the prayer. And I was mortified. I was like, why are we praying in a restaurant? Like, we just kind of do our thing quietly. Like, we just pray our blessing and we move on with our life. Everybody's looking at me. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I don't like attention. Like, this was just anxiety-inducing all over the place. But there was a boldness in which she prayed. And it became a lesson for me as I continued on my faith journey about being proud and being bold in your prayer and not being concerned about what everybody else thought. To pray the prayers that you need to pray to God because he's ready and listening. In verse 9, it goes on with another example. And it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of the fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, would you give a scorpion? If you then who are evil, talking about all of us and our sinful nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think while this doesn't necessarily directly tie into the daily bread, it does echo back to how Jesus started his prayer with Father. I think we want to think and picture our lives and picture as we're moving through this faith journey that we're all adults. The reality is we're all still children. We have only just scratched the surface of what this thing called faith is really all about. And God sees us as his children and that's a beautiful thing because I think it gives us permission to not have it all together all the time. Should we always be learning our lessons and improving? Absolutely. But God knows where we're at. He understands. But what God wants from us is for us to pursue him. He wants us to take a step. He wants us to knock he wants us to search. He wants us to draw close to him so that he can start revealing more beautiful things in our lives. But we have to take the step. We can stay on the surface, and that's fine. But there's so much more that God has to show us. You know, I think there's another part of this too, taking the, the child notion, where we really think we have to have it perfect. This past weekend, we were sitting down to dinner, and my, uh, my husband asked the kids, you know, who wants to do the blessing before the meal? And uh, my, my son raised his hand. He's like, ooh, 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 like, I, I want to do the prayer. I want to do the prayer. And I was like, okay, he's, he's all about it tonight. Like, let's go. And he goes, I, I want to I do that prayer about God. He's like, you know the prayer where like you hold hands? 
that prayer. And it, and it puzzled me for a minute because I was like, what on earth are you talking about? And here I'm, you know, I'm supposed to know all the prayers. I'm about to call Kristen and be like, what did you teach on Sunday? <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm supposed to know all this stuff. And I'm like scratching my head like, oh man, here we go. And then it clicked. Two days prior, we had had dinner with some friends of ours. And in their home, they pray the Lord's Prayer before their meal. And when we were sitting around their table with their children, we all held hands and we said the Lord's Prayer together. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. And I realized, like, like getting hit with a ton of bricks, that my son, six years old, in that moment, had been shaped and molded and touched in such a way that it impacted his life so beautifully that he wanted to bring that forth into our family. Now, I will tell you, he maybe got maybe 10% of the words right. It was adorable. With his little uh, missing his two front teeth smile, and he was so proud trying to, you know, trying to walk through it. But he prayed it with boldness. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't worried about getting the words right. But he was so happy to just join hands and pray this prayer that he knew was important. And so what I want you to know is it's okay to not be perfect in your prayer life. Like I said, this week was supposed to be like the Super Bowl of prayer. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And there was a period of time this week where I started beating myself up. I'm like, man, Kat, if you're going to get on stage and, and talk about this, like you can't even get your ducks row in your own life. Who are you to stand up on stage? But that, that's the thing. Like, God will meet us in that brokenness. He'll meet us in that space where we don't have it all together. And he's like, it's okay. Just keep on trying. Keep on taking that next step. Keep on knocking. Keep on searching. Keep on asking the questions. Because I'm right there waiting. But if we don't take that step and lean in, we're never going to experience that. And so, yes, we are children, but allow that to be that permission to take a breath and be like, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect and God's going to meet me there. At the very end of this, there's a part that I think puzzled several of us and, and kind of caught us off guard, honestly. The very last verse says, and how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It kind of seemed out of place at first. But Luke is smart. Very. And he, I think, did this intentionally because this is a little bit different than what Matthew says. But Luke slips this in there and I think what it does is it calls us to remember back to the Lord's Prayer. We're talking about our prayer life and this part of God giving us what we need and God giving us the Holy Spirit is important because we do this thing where we make our wants or we convince ourselves that our wants are our needs. And then there's these other like needs that we kind of dismiss because we're too embarrassed to ask. You see, God can see through all of that. And ultimately, God knows that the thing we need most in this life is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and penetrate our very being so that transformation can start to happen. And so when God is saying like that, or when, when we're reading here in Scripture, Jesus is talking about the Father providing the Holy Spirit to those who ask, that's exactly what he's saying. That we can ask all these different things, but ultimately the Holy Spirit is the answer. Because when it starts with the Holy Spirit, everything else starts to fall in line. Everything else starts to fall in line. John Mark Comer, who's a, a pastor that I've been following recently, has a ton of material. He does this beautiful job of um, really studying the ancient church and, and what their practices were. He talks about the apprenticeship of Jesus and how the disciples followed and, and pulls these practices forward into today so that we have an understanding of these disciplines, why we have them, and, and how they can enrich our spiritual walk. 
And when he talks about prayer, he talks about prayer in four different ways. And I don't have enough time to get into all of it today. But one of the things he talks about and puts a lot of emphasis emphasis on is listening to God. You see, I think we can have a prayer life that's intentional. I think we can say the prayers every day. I think we can, you know, be um, intentional about carving out time on our schedule and, and we do these things. But if we don't take the time to listen, we've missed a big part. Because we can ask all day long, but if we are not slowing down enough to hear the answer, we're missing the point. And I have to tell you, as my week continued to go off the tracks this week, on Friday, everything was kind of coming to a head. I was on the other side of town. I had just gotten Noah back to school, and I got the call from the nurse being like, hey, Noah's sick again. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. So I get in the car, and I'm racing because it's dismissal time, and I'm like, I've got to get there before the buses, or it's going to be this whole fiasco. And so, like, we're bolting across, across town. My poor husband's in the car, and he's not saying a word because he knows how mad I am. And, you know, he's trying to calm me down. And I turn the radio on. And this song starts playing. Many of you have probably heard by Hillsong United, um, Another in the Fire. If you haven't heard this song, it talks about a few different examples, but the one in particular that came over the radio at that particular moment was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in the fire and how God was present with them. Now, God did not remove them from the fire, but he was with them in the fire. And I started to realize maybe God was talking. Maybe there was something I was supposed to listen to. And you know what I did? I turned the radio off. <laughs> I turned the radio off because I was that mad. I was that frustrated. At that point, I was like, God, I don't want to hear it. Click. I was getting in the way of my own faith journey. God was basically yelling at me, and I didn't want to hear it. And it wasn't until about 24 hours later, after my husband calmed me down, that I started looking back at the week, and I realized all throughout the week, for every disaster, there was a blessing. But I was moving too fast. And I was too caught up in my own plan that I didn't see God moving and working in the details of my life. I missed it. I, I missed these opportunities because I got in the way of my faith. And so it's my prayer for you as we move into the Easter season and as we, as we approach Easter that you boldly bombard heaven with your prayers. God can handle it. He can handle it. And it's good, it's great if, you, if you've got your structure and your rhythm and you're like spot on, A plus, and you've got that nailed down. Excellent. You do that. But I want you to hear this. It's also okay to go to God and if all you can get out of your mouth is the name of Jesus with tears streaming down your face, he'll meet you there. And that's Okay. But what God wants most of all and what Jesus was teaching his disciples is the importance of taking the step. Drawing closer into the kingdom, drawing closer into what God has in store for us because his solution, his Holy Spirit is so much greater than any solution we could ever ask for. We just have to take the chance, we have to take the moment, we have to move into it because it's in our prayer, it's in some of these disciplines, it's in being more intentional with our faith walk, it's there that we see true transformation start to take root in our lives. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for today and just thank you for this opportunity to get into your word and see some of the beautiful details that are woven throughout.
Father, we recognize that we don't have it all together and that there's these moments where we have our plans and we think these plans should align exactly with your plans and then we find out that it's anything but. But Father, we know that you're such a good, good Father that you're willing to meet us in the mess and work through that. And as we move towards this Easter season, we just pray that this becomes part of our routine, that drawing closer to you doesn't become the exception, it becomes the rule. Father, we give up this time to you and we do all of this in your son's holy, glorified, and precious name. Amen. Big round of applause. Hey, Kat, it's like literally the best one of all three. So you guys, I'm telling you, man, she just pulled it all together. And, and I mean, it was, it was awesome. So I so appreciate her uh, delivering that message. And I, I'd like my communion stewards to come forward um, as we prepare our hearts for communion. And um, if you're okay, I am not. I've, I've been battling a cold for the last few days, so I'm not going to touch the bread. Is that okay with y'all? Okay, good. Because in the back, they're like, do not touch the bread. So Addie is going to be my, my hands today. Um, one of the things that I love, uh, so the title of this series is When You Pray. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, you are literally praying the words that Jesus gave us to say, to pray. Um, you know, a lot of times someone will ask Jesus a question and he gives them a parable, like this entire parable and you have no idea what he's talking about. You got to figure it out. But when it comes to prayer, he gives us the disciples' prayer. So it's neat to understand the heartbeat behind what he says. Well, as we gather our hearts around communion, this is not just something that, that some people behind closed doors figured out is a great way for us to be able to, to remember Jesus. No, what we're doing with, with bread and with juice is exactly what Jesus did as he gathered together with the disciples. This is a true connection to our faith that reminds us, Jesus said, remember my broken body and my shed blood. And so when we do this, this is one of those things that allows our faith to become that much more real. Not that there's some supernatural power in the table or the juice or in the bread, but there is something in the Holy Spirit that Kat's talking about that quickens our hearts and quickens our lives and reminds us of who we belong to. And so today I pray that you remember Jesus, his broken body and his shed blood. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus gave thanks. He took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat, do so in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new cup for forgiveness. As often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we are so thankful for the work that you're doing in our lives and in the life of this church. And God, as people are coming forward to give their hearts and their lives to you, and as people are just coming out of the seats and asking to be baptized, um, it just, it doesn't make any sense to see what you're doing in our hearts and our lives that people are responding in the immediacy of the call that you give them. And today is exactly that, that as we gather around this table, we know that you are present. We know that you are real and that you are alive. And so whatever it is that we have inside of our hearts, we present it to you. And God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be present in these moments, to lead us and to guide us. If it's relational issues, if it's physical issues, uh, spiritual issues, you be God today. We're gonna trust you. We're gonna follow you. And we know that you will lead us every step of the way. God, we love you. We trust you. And it is in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, as the table is being set, um, we uh, want you to know that you do not have to be a member of Community Life Church to take communion with us today, um, to receive communion. You are invited to join us. You're part of the family. And we receive communion by intinction. So as you come forward, if you hold your hands out, um, we'll place a piece of bread in your hand. Then you take that and you dip it in the cup and you receive communion that way. Um, if you are concerned about germs or if maybe you're not feeling well today, uh, an option that we have is as you come forward, we have baskets next to each station that have individually wrapped communion elements. You can go ahead and, and take those. Take a few of them. Take some home for a family member that maybe didn't make it to church today and, and you can serve them as well. Uh, on the stage, we have baskets. Whenever we receive communion, we take up a communion offering. And uh, this offering is what we use right here in the community to help the, 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 many times the least of these to provide food and to provide clothing and, and electricity or water. And you guys have always been so amazing to be able to help with that. I'm just so, so grateful. Now, uh, oh, and also gluten-free alternative. If you have special dietary needs, Addie, Pastor Addie will be more than happy to serve you if you come down and, and meet her at the table. Okay, the table is set. So I invite the first few rows um, to go ahead and stand and make your way forward as, as you're able.
Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God. One quick announcement before we turn you loose. Um, because of the rain, the officers aren't able to start traffic out on 98. So if you live towards Navarre, we encourage you to take your time, head on down Soundside Road, come out at Nantahala, and that way you can get to a light. We just want everybody to be safe and to not have a week like Cat had. <laughs> uh, I invite you if you want to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we are so grateful for the work that you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in this church. And I pray that as we go from this place, that yes, you're gonna go before us and you're gonna lead and you're gonna guide, but God, that it'll be your Holy Spirit that just opens up our heart and our mind to the things that are right directly in front of us. And if we've been wrestling, trying to figure out answers, Lord, I believe that you'll give us the clarity that we need. We love you, we trust you. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen. Have a wonderful week, thank you.